Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Now, if you're an entrepreneur or a small business person, you're thinking about becoming one. This show is just for you. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. I'm a serial entrepreneur myself. I've advised startups and small businesses as a consultant and a lawyer over the past 30 years. And I'm here to share what I've learned and also find others willing to share as well. The show also has a second goal, which is to inspire. How about you? But I found being an entrepreneur sometimes pretty lonely, confusing, discouraging. And I always found that talking with other entrepreneurs and listening to them share the stories of how they work through challenges, just like those you and I face, is inspiring and encouraging. So to help with both those goals, I have guests on my show every week, and my guest this week is Nora Kerr. She's the founder of a company called Memoir for Me. She's going to talk with us today about her business, as well as some things about how to capture your life in a meaningful way. Nora, thanks so much for joining me this week. It's a delight to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Talk about your business. What does your business do? Sure. So I founded Memoir for Me back in 2015. And our goal is to capture those often told stories around the dinner table and collect them into a a nice keepsake book for families. Are these usually for around an event, like in a a wedding or a graduation or a reunion, or are they more someone's life or either, depending on what people want? Yeah, either, either way. Sometimes it's to celebrate a milestone birthday or even a Christmas gift that then we work on for the next year, you know? Oh. Um, but there's really no bad time to do it, is what I always say. Yeah. So how do you produce your memory books? Well, how do you go go about doing that? So the thing that makes us really different from some of the other competitors that are out there is we collect the stories through personal interviews. Ah. That's kind of our... That's our secret sauce. So uh, I think we all know that stories are told differently than they are written. And I I think there's magic in having someone to share your story with and to ask uh, the right follow-up questions, someone that might not know the ins and outs of a family. And I always say like the curse of knowledge that some families have, they don't think to ask certain questions to clarify So I'm a stranger to families and I come in and I ask all those point blank questions and and really kind of get at the nuggets. You know, I was just thinking as you were talking that your job and mine are in many ways similar because one of the things that I've found over the past three and a half years that I've done this show is that a lot of entrepreneurs really appreciate the opportunity to step back And tell their story because they don't really get to do that very often, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's fun to sit back. It allows you to reflect and kind of connect dots. And for me, when I was asked to do this, I, it was a quick and easy yes, because one, I love talking about it and two, it it does, it gives me kind of a, you know, reignites that fire in my belly to keep doing this work. Yeah, exactly. How would you describe a life story? And why are they worth capturing anyway? Uh, Life story can be anything. I like focusing on the everyday kind of ordinary, beautiful stories. A lot of my job is education. Um, People think they have to have these extraordinary lives to almost earn the ability to tell their own story. But really, it's those everyday kind of just ordinary moments that really, to me, define a life. And um, so life stories can be anything from just memories of childhood, high school antics, who are you friends with? I love asking about family meals, childhood bedroom. What did that look like? You know, who'd you share it with? You know, with regards to family meals, like who, who cooked those meals? And what was your favorite? What didn't you like eating? And who was at the table and who was making the most noise and who was quiet. So just kind of painting a picture of 
an otherwise ordinary life, but that it, I don't know. All those kind of small moments really add up to to really define someone. I'm envisioning that what you do must be pretty rewarding because I have no doubt that lots of your clients just light up and, you know, they probably start out thinking, well, I don't really have much to talk about. And then you get them talking about some of the stories and all of a sudden you can just see their faces light up and you probably don't get to be there when they actually get to open the book, but it would be fun to be a fly in the wall when they do that, wouldn't it? Sometimes if we do have local clients, I do hand deliver them. Do you um, just for and, that very reason? Yeah. I mean, there is a payoff in seeing their reaction. And I mean, they, they will have seen the book in different parts along the way, but you know, it's that kind of unboxing experience that yeah. we hear about a lot. Oh yeah, um, for sure. And just the culmination of so many hours of work on, on both sides, not just ours. Well, are your memory books, are they mostly photos with narrative or are there memento items that are scanned or, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to relate it to my world of scrapbooking where it's really a kind of a, almost a 3D effect for, that a lot of people use with uh, different items and different edgings and finishes and fabrics and things like that. Compare that experience to what you produce. Yeah. So they are printed. It is not a scrapbook type of product. They are equal parts photo and story. And that was intentional. I have a photography background as well as a writing background. So ah. the old saying, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. I feel like why choose? <laughs> ah. So I love them both together. And I we seek out pictures that support the stories and always have plenty of room at the back for additional pictures. And this is something they're going to have for years and years to come. And oh yeah, I am treasure. well aware that they may not read the whole book in one sitting, but they might pick it up and look at some pictures, check out some captions and put it down. Other times they might do a more deep dive on the story. So it really kind of has something for everyone. Very cool. It reminds me a little bit of a Christmas present that my sister and I did a couple of years ago. We decided to put together a family cookbook that was recipes. And we tried to also weave in some of the stories because obviously a lot of family memories happen around food, particularly when you grow up in the Midwest in a farming community. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, you know, I think everybody in the family just really enjoyed it. Even if they didn't use it as a cookbook, it was just a heck of a lot of fun to see all the pictures of gatherings around food and different kids in the family shoveling birthday cake in their mouth or whatever, you know, that kind <laughs> yeah. of stuff. Talk about why you decided to start this business. When did that happen and how? Yeah. So I think I have a pretty special origin story. I was in a totally different line of work before I was an IT project manager. Holy <laughs> buckets. I kind of chased a paycheck for, what was it, over a decade. I started as a technical writer. So I started in writing and then grant writing and that sort of thing. And then just kind of evolved, evolved, evolved. And I was not surprisingly unhappy, unsatisfied. My father, meanwhile, had been going through rounds of chemo and stuff with prostate cancer and was essentially living with it for quite a while in remission. And then it came back with a vengeance. And at that point, it was in 2015, we had gotten that word that there wasn't much that they could do, you know, you have maybe six to eight months, enjoy it. And I did not handle that well, wow. as you can imagine. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't, pill. he's just, yeah, it was a bitter pill. And I was unhappy at this job. And I was interviewing and actually using a life coach, like career slash life coach to try to figure out my next move. Cause I knew I want, I wanted it to be like really different. <laughs> There's nothing like a life changing event, like a death of a parent to really make you aware of how short and precious life is. And right. if you're not happy doing what you're doing, it's pretty natural. I think to start asking some questions like, 
you know, life is short. What am I doing? How am I making a difference here with my life? Right. Right. And I wish at the time that some of those connections were being made, but it wasn't, it was more just kind of like, I was flying by the seat of my pants and, you know, you do those analytical type of questionnaires to try to figure out where your skill sets are, where your interests are. And it always came back to storytelling, interviewing, writing, you know, just all these kind of basic skills that I was trained for in college and just kind of got away from. And I, on my own, told my coach, I'm like, I telling her about my dad. And I said, you know, I'm going to tell my dad's story and it's going to be for my family and I'm just going to do it. And, you know, didn't know what I was doing. Didn't really have any kind of systematic process or even thought about what it would look like. But I just started asking him questions that, you know, I always kind of wanted to know the answers to and um, just evolved from there. And it was this really beautiful experience and um, life-changing is uh <laughs> doesn't even begin to explain right some of the things he he was so vulnerable with me and shared things that he had never before shared with me oh, and um, yeah it really was just a powerful experience and so I'm bringing this back to this life coach who's she's just like Nora like this could be it <laughs> you know I really never wanted to be an entrepreneur or never really set out to be I guess I should say you're an accidental entrepreneur or total or maybe, accidental or, or maybe um you're what a couple of other my guests have said which was I became an entrepreneur because I didn't know what else to do <laughs> right and I thought or, well that's nobody not else how seemed they to be doing you. it that's not how they teach you in b school but I guess it's more common than you think you hear about people seeing like a hole in the market and no one else is doing it. So there's your, your case study, right? So, you know, I had that in my head. I didn't have any comparable businesses of to compare, you know, to try to set this up like or anything. And so it, it was definitely a lot of stumbling for a while. And I did some projects for free for, for some of my friends, parents, uh -huh. and just to try to get some kind of process and repeat, you know, something that would be repeatable. You have a background as a writer. You also mm -hmm. have a background in IT. And there is a certain, probably not inconsequential technical end of being able to mass produce, or I shouldn't say mass produce, but systematically produce these in a way that is predictable and consistent and produces what you want it to do at the end. And that you're a photographer. So from a skill set, perspective it makes perfect sense yeah well and doris wait till you hear this i mean i had even this is 20 years ago i went to college and i had even forgotten about my senior th year thesis my writing thesis because i was actually a writing major creative writing major was family stories <laughs> oh, so wow. it really did come full circle i had in college told the stories of my mom and her three sisters and loved doing it but you know put it on the shelf and kind of forgot about it and it's just funny when doing these this exploration work on my career like it all just came back to that not wow. not just writing but truth seeking and storytelling connection making like it's almost like therapy light <laughs> You know, because the interview process is really my favorite part of the whole thing. Who are most of your customers do, have you found? What are the common threads that you see among the people who pick up the phone or are willing to write the check and want to go through with this? So it's usually adult children with a little disposable income with aging parents. So it's kind of like that. 40s to 50s maybe even yeah late 30s to late 50s are the clients and they are buying it for their parents i have uh, gotten a few uh, a few parents doing it for themselves and those are some of my favorite projects because um you know they're the the ones that see the value in their own story so right it's a lot more fun but usually there is some kind of, like I said, there's some education involved. There's almost like a winning over involved when I first sit down with with uh, interview subjects to kind of just get them comfortable. 
with talking about themselves and, and seeing the value in their own story. So how do you go through the process of sorting through photographs? Are you often there to photograph the the event if it's event based or I mean I find having done that you and I were talking before we started recording that my sister and I just finished doing a scrapbook of my mom's life and boy oh boy the process I have to say the most time consuming yes it was time consuming to enlarge the photos and lay them out and write the narrative the most time consuming honestly and maybe this is because we are too close to it was trying to sort through the boxes and boxes of photographs to figure out you know oh this is perfect oh my god I've got to include oh you know and yeah if you include all of them my goodness no one would want to even look at it and it wouldn't be you know <laughs> it, an encyclopedia. it would be it would take up an entire bookcase so how do you tackle that challenge? Yeah. So when a client signs on, they get a, what we call a roadmap document that kind of lays out our process. And the first step is photo collection. So it's actually on the client side to collect the photos that mean the most to them. And we give suggestions on kind of like, almost like buckets to, um, you know, pull from. So childhood, school years, um, yeah. wedding photos, early childhood, like thinking chronologically of a life, just five to 10 photos in each of those buckets. And um, I do it intentionally before our interviews for two reasons. One, so they can start looking through their, their life retrospectively. Yeah, that'll trigger some memories right, right there, looking through the photos. And two, so that they don't worry about finding the exact photos to match up the stories that are told because we haven't told them yet. <laughs> yeah, because that can really hang up the process when people are really trying to line up everything just perfectly. And I say, you know, this thing is going to happen organically and the photos and the stories will just meld together. Yeah, that's kind of our process. So we we ask for a certain amount of quantity depending on how long we're sitting down and interviewing somebody. But, you know, anywhere from 50 to 100 pictures wow. um, kind of spanning a life. Yeah. So how do most of your clients find you? Changed Word of mouth or yeah. what? A percentage of our business is referrals. And those are always, I think, kind of the best ones because they're already supportive and on board. And, um, you know, they've usually been, you know, eagerly recommended by a past client. COVID did um, a number on us from a perspective of oh. we were hyper local before. So Didn't I was doing about that. Yeah. interviews in person. And so a lot of our clientele, I'm based in Jefferson Park on the northwest side of Chicago. So most of my clients were in the Chicagoland area. And then COVID happened and we had to move our interviews all to Zoom. And then um, I ran some Google ads nationwide and they took off, like really wow, took off. <laughs> great for you. Yes. So there was a like, oh my gosh, like, can we even support this? Um, I ha We even did have to kind of dial back and tell people, you know, great, we'd love to work with you. We can't do it for six months. You know, there was some of that happening. And, um, and thankfully, it was okay. Um, we did kind of stabilize and we got some, I have some new team members on board that are wonderful. And yeah, so I'd say about half of our business now is just from Google ads. So both coasts, we, I had an interview yesterday with someone in Glasgow, Scotland. So wow. there's really, there's really no limit thanks to technology. Well, so, uh, you know, it's funny, you do hear about some of the silver linings of COVID. And it sounds like for your business, that really was one of them. You were forced to kind of uh, break out of the, you know, the the, the box that you had put yourself in for lack of a better way to put it and uh, just basically just bust out of all that because of COVID. Yeah, I was worried it would lose some of the personal nature that I think is really special to our, our company and how we do things. But especially with Zoom, when you're looking at someone face-to-face -face and I mean, it's not the same because I do believe in like an energy transfer that happens in person, but it is darn close. 
um, especially, you know, we're sitting down with these people for up to eight hours. So that's several calls. Well, um, not only that, but you're talking about some very personal kinds of things. It's not like you're having a staff meeting, you know, right. You're asking them and expressing interest in learning about who they are as people and some of the most memorable parts of their life. You're encouraging them, I'm imagining, to be fairly vulnerable, maybe more vulnerable than they're used to being. And that tends to foster connection, I think. For sure. Yeah. So what were some of the biggest challenges when you first got started? Oh, so so many challenges. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. This is the fun part where you share some of those pain points that I'm sure there are lots of fellow travelers who are throws of those right now. So yeah, help make them feel better by sharing some of those. Sure. You know, I think the thing that I'm actually still struggling with is, you know, pricing is is a challenge. And I think this is also unique to women business owners that we don't perhaps value our work the way we should. Bing, bing, bing. I agree with that. Yes. I, I think there's also complications for me personally, because it is such a, it started out as something that I love to do. And so it's sometimes it's hard to view it as a job. And so I have a hard time being objective when I price that. (laughs) Well, and you put yourself into it, I'm guessing, which tends to lead to scope creep maybe, or I don't know. (laughs) I would say that's even an understatement. A level of perfectionism, a desire for perfectionism that would be great if it was your own for your family, but if you're running a business, not so much. Right. So there's, there's been a lot of lessons learned, like scope creep is a big one. But, you know, once I started um, getting outside help to help, you know, with pieces of the project, I found myself upside down on a project or two <laughs> price-wise. So that was a learning experience. Oh, because you actually had to put a value on the time because it was outsourced as opposed to taming out of your own hide. Yes, there was more more than one project that I actually paid more than I received. And that was early on because I was still kind of just figuring out time involved and, and that sort of thing. So, and it's just such an emotional thing too. I just wish there was some magic number because this, it isn't, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, it's not something that is like, this project is going to take me exactly 103 hours. Like, uh-huh. you know, some they vary wildly. Um, So there are ranges. And so I try to stay within those ranges, but that has been a learning curve. And frankly, I am still, I'm confident that I I am still underpriced. Um, And so I have to, I I have to kind of figure out what that number is and what I'm comfortable with too. I'm blessed because I could talk to a lot of my guests for hours, frankly, just amazing people. And what I get to share with them is is a privilege for me every week. But I'm lucky in a way that the radio station limits me to an hour because that is <laughs> that is right. that is my boundary. And so they've helped me out by doing that. But I'm guessing even in your case, I mean some of the people you get talking to and an hour, two hours has passed by and you're like, oh my goodness, I only a lot of you know. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just imagining anyway because people get yakking when they start they start opening up and you know one thing leads to another and especially if you're sitting there with more than one person the interplay is just a delight but you know they'll be like hey and so uh so Rita remember when oh yeah and then remember you know and before you know it whoo the time has passed by I'm guessing Right. And, and as you probably well know, that is the job of, of you as the interviewer is to. Well, absolutely. Nora, we talked about the challenge of pricing and probably uh, you alluded to earlier on, I think the challenge of, of standardizing the process as well. How did you 
find funding to get started? Uh, I didn't. <laughs> you just self-funded out of the projects completely that you were able to sell. Yep. Wow. And has that been the case ever since you started? It has. And actually, this is the first point in my career. So how many years in? <laughs> uh, what are we looking at? Seven? Eight, um, seven? That I am. I am cons- um, considering some outside funding sources just wow. because I feel like I've, I have kind of hit a wall, like a ceiling of like, there's only so many projects that we can do. I do feel like it does take a little extra money to kind of take your business to the next level. So uh, what, I am just kind of, of the, in the initial conversations. What are some of the kinds of things that you can see it might need in order to be able to to scale it and, and do more of these memory books? Um, you know, advertising is a big, a big bucket that I would love to have more money to, to play and experiment with. That's a big one. Um, being able to reliably bring on staff and pay them what they're worth. That is just, just having kind of a reliable source of income that could help me ensure payroll and that sort of thing. Um, I believe strongly that people should get paid for what they're worth. So I. That includes you, Nora, right? Yes. Yes, it does. I am unfortunately sometimes the last person on that list, but thanks for the reminder, Doris. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's all too common. I mean, it's, I think that's true, especially for women entrepreneurs. We women are, the helpers and the, you know, the facilitators and want to help make people happy. And sometimes the last person on the list is, I, I, I say that, Nora, because I'm very guilty of that. So I, <laughs> when, I, when I see it in others, I'm very, I'm all too aware of it. Yeah. So the technology side of things, I mean, right. I'm just I was just think- kind of going through in my head, all the things that well, cost, yeah, oh, it so, all costs a lot. Yeah. Talk about that piece of it. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's like a death by a thousand cuts when I think about how many, <laughs> how many costs go into running a business, you know, all the licensing for our software tools that we use, which add, you know, it seems to change and add on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially as you bring more help on board. Um, oh, yeah, oh, because you, need, you have to you have need additional licenses. licenses. Yeah, wow, yeah. I didn't think about that. So, and I mean, these systems are great. They, you know, there's a reason why people use them and to create efficiencies and that sort of thing. It's like the bigger you get, the more you need these systems to help streamline and, um, you know, make you into a better business owner here. So, but it costs, it does cost money for sure. Have you, have you thought at all about creating a platform of your own? Would there be value in doing that? Or is it that the tool, the, the right tools already exist. It's just that there's a bunch of them. I, I have thought of, especially with my IT background, um, it's more the, the actual project, um, process would be neat to have some proprietary software around, um, especially when it comes to sharing projects back and forth with clients mm-hmm. and sharing digital photos. Right. You know, right right now I'm kind of using a hodgepodge of tools to do that, that some have more of a learning curve. And when I'm working with 90, <laughs> 90 plus year olds, um, you know, to have a, a, a tool that would that be super easy to use that anyone you know, at any age could use would be, I mean, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Well, that would certainly, if you could imagine and and execute on that would certainly make your business a lot more valuable to outside investors. There's no question about that. So what resources along your journey have been particularly helpful for you? Um, well, I immediately think of the Founding Moms. That is a group of women, mother entrepreneurs that um, I found early on in my business. And I believe she's been on your show, Jill Salzman. Yeah, Jill Salzman. Have to put in a plug for Jill. She is an absolute dynamo. 
And uh, one of the funniest people I have ever met, really, I was going to say had on the show, but she she's right up there in terms of uh, people that I've met. She has a way of taking a challenge and turning it into something funny and making us laugh at ourselves, right? Yeah. And that's what you need when you're first starting out and you're so vulnerable and you don't know what you're doing. You need someone to be like, hey, none of us know what we're doing. That's why it's <laughs> so wonderful to get together and kind of swap these stories like battle wounds and that sort of thing. So talk about the founding moms just briefly and how it's helped sure. you and, you know, what it's meant to you, I guess. Just to have almost like a, it's like a, a gut check on things when you had mentioned kind of own, running a, a business, so especially a solopreneurship, it's, it can be lonely and, and you second guess decisions a lot. And so to have a group of women that just are there to support you that are going through some of the same um, issues. And what always surprises me is how different our businesses are. But when you boil down, like the top three problems or pain points, it's the same. They're the same pain points. Uh (laughs) It doesn't even matter your industry. Interesting. And so, so are, are the founding moms is like a networking group that gets together regularly in person or more yep, of there's based or all of the above? There's all the above. They have in-person exchanges where you can meet face-to-face. There's online exchanges as well. There is, you know, just a kind of message board for, to throw questions out. Um, there are classes and webinars kind of running constantly. So it's support, it's education, it's just all the things that you need as a as perspective. A small that sounds like perspective, perspective and yep. shoulder to lean on maybe sometimes. Yes. And half the time you know all the things that you're hearing, but you just need to hear it another time. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, like Jill's um mantra is raise your prices, raise your prices, raise yeah. your prices. So. Yeah, she's, she's quite an advocate for women business owners, which is great to see. Any other resources that you found helpful along the way? Friends, family, associations, books? I mean, um, I've, yeah, I've joined in other groups, uh, local chambers of commerce. I've tried. I did some kind of pro bono storytelling work for our our local um, community here in Jefferson Park. Oh. Because it bothered me that I wasn't telling the stories of my own neighborhood. And I think that's where I um, I struggle with the pricing thing is um, I realize that in order to price it in a way that's fair to me, it often prices out a lot of people. So I did a Northwest Side Hero campaign where people could nominate neighbors, leaders in their community um, that just needed some recognition. And I basically would sit down with them and give them the time and space to tell their story. And it was great. Yeah, I did that kind of early on in my business. I unfortunately just have gotten a little too busy to be able to keep that up, but I would like to get back to it. And I have faith that I will because it was a, it was great. It was you know, yes, I'm giving back to the community, but I'm also kind of scratching that itch that goes back to what we started at the the top of our conversation about just telling ordinary stories, mm-hmm. just getting them out there and kind of um, just really making sure people feel valued, no matter who they are, no matter what kind of life they led. Well, I, I have a feeling I, well, I'll let you answer this rather than guessing. What's been the best part about owning and running your own business? Hmm. I think the freedom to, which is a double-edged sword, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Because, because you don't have a boss, but then you have this boss. It's the person inside your head. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having the freedom to do things the way I want to do them at the time that I want to do them, at the pace that I want to do it. Um, I mean, that's something I never had working for somebody else. Yeah. And I have two small kids that um, it's really kind of priceless, the amount of just flexibility it's given me. 
to be able to take time off to show up to a school function or pick up a kid when they're sick and not stress about, you know, having to jump on a a call. Like I, it's my business. I can reschedule it, you know? And um, so that is, I keep that in mind too. And, you know, I I definitely took a pay cut when I (laughs) went, went down this line of work, but the, kind of thing that you can't put a price on is, is that sort of kind of flexibility and, and, and the amount of time that I, I get to spend with my family. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's been the hardest thing for you? Probably it's kind of the same thing. The same answer is that it is all on me and there can be, that can be some pressure that can also be kind of very frustrating when I know that I'm standing in my own way. Sometimes um, I can't blame it on the boss. <laughs> well, you can, but it's not really that helpful because, you right, know, right. you know, you've yeah. already beaten yourself up probably too much already that day. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, the um, I think the common problems that a lot of business, small businesses have and entrepreneurs that um, a lot of times the workflow is very feast or famine. Right. Um, so things get bunched up. I get stressed out. I'm working, you know, kind of crazy hours to try to manage it. And then, you know, it quiets down and guess what? I stress out. Because, right. Because the crickets are chirping and when will anyone ever call again? Yeah. Coming. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, that can be um, difficult to manage, but I, yeah. I feel like I have gotten better at kind of evening out those, those emotions. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure having people, on tap to kind of help smooth out some of those bumps is helpful too. But um, it, sure. it, it's hard when you're starting. It seems like it's feast or famine sometimes in, in service businesses. So where would you like your business to be? Let's say five years from now, what will memoir for me look like if you're successful in five years? I, you know, without even going into like dollar amount, goals i would love to be in a place where i have um a team that can handle every inch of the project so almost like uh planning myself out of it (laughs) so that you're making yourself redundant a little bit obsolete but um you know still having final say and kind of that more of an editor role than a than a chief writer yeah. And I, I am getting there um, to that point. I, I even envision stepping out of some of the interviews. Um, yeah. And really, I would love to focus on the education piece and be able to do some more of the pro bono work, um, you know, th- spending more time on that side. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that would be ideal. I don't what whether I get there in five years, maybe it's more of a ten year goal. I don't know, but I am making moves to not be in every <laughs> part of the process. Um, well, I think that's then, good. I mean, I I yeah. always would tell my clients begin with the end in mind, and because it it really does affect how you how you decide to who you decide to hire and what you decide to delegate and um you know, what you want your life to look like it, it, because you, you know, it's, it's like being on a bus. How do you, how, how does the bus get where it's going? Unless you have some idea where you want it to go. Right. Right. And just, you know, I, I would love to um, be able to bring the storytelling to Um, I've even done some like some organizational work where like this can very easily translate into different industries, whether it's telling business stories like origin stories. I've done some of that work, but I just think there's really not a lot of places. A lot of of nonprofit groups. I'm thinking, you know, um, you, you start to, I mean, garden clubs and community theater organizations and, um, you know, the orchestra I'm in is celebrating its 75th anniversary, you know, and they kind of want to do a memorial kind of thing. I don't know 
if this is the kind of memorial they want to do, but you know, all those, but they, who knows they might, you know, so there's those kinds of occasions for organizations like that. Right. So being able to have more time and space to actually think about those possibilities would be, that's kind of like my goal. Yeah. Beyond pricing and charging what we're worth, which I agree is a chronic problem for women entrepreneurs. It's a, it's a problem for a lot of entrepreneurs, but I think especially women entrepreneurs, at least that's my opinion. But in your experience, having been through lots of founding mom meetings, and I'm sure networking with lots of other women entrepreneurs, what in your experience are some of the biggest challenges that women entrepreneurs in particular seem to face in starting and growing a business? Um, Specific to women, I think, and this does tie in with pricing is uh, kind of that imposter syndrome, just feeling confident enough in your own skill set to believe yourself as an authority in whatever space you're in, to speak from a place of authority, to kind of carry yourself from a place of authority. I find that's a challenge, especially for people still starting out and still kind of finding their way. But yeah, just kind of like second guessing yourself. And I do think some of that just comes from time, like doing the work and and, and putting the hours in. And that's another reason why I love speaking on shows like this, or I love speaking to groups. I've done some elder community groups with elders kind of telling them, why their story is important and get like really just inspiring people to think about it. I just think the more I'm out there kind of spreading the message, the more it feeds back into me and gets me inspired and also helps with the confidence factor of like, Mm. I do know what I'm talking about. I have done this enough that there is value in it. And my work matters. My business, my work and my time matters. Yeah. And you're making a difference for lots of people along your journey. So given your own journey, what advice would you offer to entrepreneurs just getting started, especially women entrepreneurs? Well, a couple things. I'd say one, ask for help. <laughs> you know, don't be nervous to admit that you don't know what, you know, you might not just asking for advice. Like some people just are so nervous to even ask questions because it they feel like they're admitting they don't have all the answers. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Uh, yep. And who who of us did when we were first starting? Right. Uh, I still don't have all the answers. I never will. Yeah, just asking for help. And and that help can, can be in, in any different way. And it might just be just advice or something. It's not necessarily like boots on the ground. It's also just like feedback, right? Yeah. I'd also definitely tell people that it's a, it is a long game. I remember when I launched my website, I honestly, I remember going out with my husband and getting, and literally checking my phone to see if uh, business kind of would, you know, I'd be getting knocks on the door, emails in, in, in the inbox, like instantaneously, like, oh, wow. just, yeah, I mean, it takes a lot, especially social media stuff. I found just takes a long time, especially for service businesses. I mean, maybe, maybe if you have a, you know, cool scarf or some impulse buy thing, uh, in your businesses, e-commerce kind of thing, maybe people go, Oh, gotta have that. But when you're in a service business, I think it just takes a long time. It, it's, it's really a long time. Takes a lot it's- longer than I ever imagined. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell the story that, you know, some people don't like whether we have a a monthly newsletter that goes out and it's got, you know, certain components in it. One's, you know, a a little blog about capturing stories and that sort of thing. And it does take a little time, but I enjoy doing it and I've been doing it. And I, I signed a client last summer who signed up for my email list two years ago. So it's just... Yeah, I mean, to me that that is that is um, just answers the question of like it is all worth it. You may not see the results right away, um, and it's also okay to launch it 
when it's 90% or whatever that number is that you're comfortable with, because you're never going to have it perfect. So just launch it, <laughs> just get out there and just do it and, and kind of tweak along the way and make, make those adjustments along the way. Those are great pieces of advice. Thanks for sharing both of those. You know, I, one topic we haven't talked about and, and that is um, the do it yourselfers out there. So um, I am sure it would be great if lots of people um, heard this and picked up the phone and said tomorrow, you know, Nora, you got to help me do this. Uh, but there, there's also probably a, a, a probably if everybody who could do that and thought about it and wanted to do it all picked up the phone at the same time, you probably couldn't handle it anyway. So <laughs> for those people who may think about doing some of the some of pieces of it, do it yourself, or maybe even a whole project. What advice do you offer them? Um, to do it. I definitely am, whether you use a company like ours or do it yourself, I'm hugely supportive um, of that. And, you know, I, I just say um, there's lots of free resources out there. Uh, as you know, Doris, when you mentioned the scrapbook um, for your mom, oh, you it does can, take a you can go broke. I will just say that you can go broke and basically end up with a Joanne's or Michael's or Hobby Lobby in your basement. Um, <laughs> uh, that, that, that beware of that. But you know what I was going to say is the amount of time that these things take. You know, that's just something you have to be willing to to put in more more so than the cost, because really what what it all boils down to is what if you're just capturing someone's stories in essence, you know, if that's all you're doing, there's no cost involved. You can whip out your phone and, and press record on voice memo and, and go from there. There's no cost there. Um, or grab a notepad and just start asking questions. Um, you know, it's in, um, from, our website has some free questions. If you want to sign up, it's memoirforme.com. There's um, a nonprofit called StoryCorps. It's it, it's story and then C-O-R-P-S, Corps, oh. StoryCorps. They have, um, their mission is to capture everyday stories. And they have a free phone app that I have recommended to people that has sample questions you can actually record it through their app and um, you can upload stories to the Library of Congress through their phone app. Wow. So it's a beautiful That's nonprofit. Cool. I always donate to them. Um, and uh, so that's a free, free resource out there. So it's really, you know, there's nothing, this isn't rocket science. <laughs> I'm fully admitting that that really any this is something that anyone can do, especially if you're doing it with your own loved ones. But it is a labor of love, and um, so you know some people just don't have that luxury of time, or or maybe they just would rather outsource it. And so then we're we're absolutely happy to help. Yeah, or they end up towards the end of their life with uh, an ungodly number of uh, digital photos and not sure what to do with them. But, uh, you know, the only other thing I would add, having done now a couple of scrapbooks, is that, you know, is take pictures of those. Try to remember to take pictures of those family events and even do some voice recordings when people are swapping stories. Because, um, you know, as we shared just before the show started, my mom passed away very recently. And I so wish that I had had a few more photos of her doing certain things that I remember, or I certainly wish I had more voice recordings of her sharing her advice and some of her stories. So think about yeah. that because when those important people are gone in your life or no longer able to tell their story, it's too late then. To, to yeah people take it. their stories with them yeah, yeah. and it, it sadly is something that you take for granted until it's sometimes too late but you know for anyone that might be listening that has lost someone I always do remind them that you have their stories in you and your memories of a loved one is also worth capturing so 
you might be missing a parent or a grandparent, but you have stories and memories of them. And those are worth celebrating too. So it's right. never too late. Right. And if you don't do it, then some of those memories, a lot of them will be lost by the time it's your time to pass. Mm-hmm. So do it. Do it. Nora, one last question before I let you go. If uh, people want to learn more about memoir for me, which I think you did give uh, the website, but I want to give you a chance again to remind people of where to go to check out uh, your products and where and services and where to go for more information. Or maybe they just want to connect with you. Something you've said today sparked their interest. What's the best way for people to learn more? Our website, and it is a tricky word, so I'm just going to spell it. M-E-M-O-I-R-F-O-R me.com that's memoirforme.com and um we do have a like a free interview toolkit if you want to drop an email with us um, that's how you download our free kit to tell your own story or that of a loved one on your own so that's a good free resource yeah and then we have uh yeah social media pages that i drop photos and stories up there from some of the projects we're working on so that's a lot of fun it's just at memoir for me spelled the same way. And of course they can always check out a founding moms event and maybe they'll run into you in person, right? Yeah. So right now I am running the Chicago exchange. Uh, it is an online group. Um, I think they are moving to an in-person group soon. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited to check that out and, 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 and see where that goes, but it's definitely a great, a great tool for any, woman mom business owner check out i i will keep an eye on that i can't wait to see how it evolves Nora, thanks so much for joining me this week on the show it was a delight having you it was a lot of fun doris thanks for having me folks thanks so much for listening you my listeners are the reason i do this so um i want to stress that if you have comments questions uh, about some aspect of your business, you have requested topics, maybe you know a great guest, or maybe you want to be a guest, or just want to shoot the breeze, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at thesavvyentrepreneur.org. I promise you'll always get an answer back from me. You can also check out my website, thesavvyentrepreneur.org, where I have a, a growing library of past radio show interviews and podcasts, as well as blogs and tools, uh, all of which are free. So I encourage you to check out the site. There's some phenomenal, phenomenal interviews out there. Some amazing entrepreneurs just like you and just like Nora. So once again, thanks to my guest this week, Nora Kerr, the founder of Memoir for Me. Be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time. I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneuring.